Welcome to Superlative. I am your podcast host, Ariel Adams. In each episode, you will meet someone who has inspired or takes inspiration from today's wristwatch industry. Every week, let's dive deep into the world of crafting exotic timepieces from the people who dream them up to the people who dream of them. It's time to get started and meet today's guest. Hey everyone, Ariel Adams here with the Superlative Podcast. My guest today is Tori Piskin, a comedian who's done a wonderful sketch about dating a watch guy that we'll talk about soon. Tori, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I feel like I've learned so much about the watch world from the video I created. I got into it because my boyfriend is a big watch guy and I did not know anything about watches before dating him. I'm still a little confused, so I'm, I'm a newbie. Um, <laughs> I had this watch he told me I should tell you about. Obviously can't remember anything about it. I might have to call for him. But yeah, he's like, you got to show this. It's some Rolex 19 something. I don't know. You're a watch guy. You tell me what you know what you're looking at. So the video is like a little on the blurry side. So other than knowing you're holding up an old watch, I'm not sure. I can't see too much details. But yes, it, it looks like a... Uh, a, a very old Rolex, definitely something that watch guys get super excited about. So you told him you're coming on my show. Did he know my show? Did he know me? Yes, he knew you. He was very excited. He's in the um, other room now. Maybe we'll call for him so I can ask him what the hell this watch is he's told me to brag about. But I don't even know how to brag about it. No, it's it's a it's an early Rolex. It's uh you know it's a it's a cute little watch uh, by today's standards and things like that. But as you've seen, this sort of like species I call watch collector is uh, an interesting phenomenon. Uh, and I look, I love the introspect, and I grew up adoring comedy. Comics are my heroes. Uh, I, I'm not funny enough to ever be one, but uh, just last week I went to go see stand up. It's something which is such a part of my life, and so. To see the intersection, right, between two of my hobbies is like, wow, that's that's so great. And I, until your sketch, which a friend of mine shared with me, which was great, I'd never seen a comic seriously observe this subculture, which is watches. Did you do any research beforehand? I'm just curious the genesis of this uh, this idea you had. Yeah. So, I mean, for the listeners, it's literally just like a minute video. I shot it with my friend Dan Rosen. We shot it on my phone in New York City. Um, I've had this idea for like a really long time because like I said, my boyfriend's a watch guy. I was not a watch person before him. He kind of got more into watches as we started dating. Like literally, you know, I would like go into the living room and be on some like Reddit thread arguing with people about watches. <laughs> And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm scolding this guy. He thinks this is a watch. I'm like, okay. And anytime we would like go to a mall in LA, we had to stop at a watch store. He would talk to the watch guy. I, I felt like, you know how like most husbands sit at the shopping store and the, on the husband chair. I, I was like the opposite. I was sitting in the chair at the watch store and I was like, I'm so bored. I hate to say this. I'm, there's watch listeners out there. But yeah, I, that's kind of how it started because I was just really inspired by my boyfriend's, I would say, obsession for watches. It is an obsession. Yeah. And he would say, well, you don't understand. It's like the only like kind of jewelry. It's jewelry basically for men. <laughs> um, I mean, my favorite thing, you know, he's ever done with the watches. I mean, there's been a few. But basically, one time we went to a watch store 
and we didn't know we were going in. And I don't know, like in my head, I think if you're going to a watch store, you got to dress up like you can like buy the watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's, I don't know, he, that's valid. Or maybe not. I don't know. But he's wearing like surfer shorts and he's got a jewel. He's, he's, he's getting off of jeweling. He's addicted to jeweling. I don't know if that's a watch thing, a watch guy thing. But he's got like this lanyard that holds the jewel because that's how addicted he was. So he'd be talking to this guy about watches while inhaling it. And I'm like, what am I seeing right now? But obviously I loved him because I'm with him. I just thought he was so nuts. And so that's kind of like how it like inspired me because I just thought this is so funny. And with comedy and the internet, I feel like you have to find... I knew the video was going to do well amongst watch people. Like it's at a million right now. I didn't know how many people would relate to it and, you know, share. Like there's so, like, I think there's, I don't, I would have to look now. There's so many here. I can tell you literally how many shares. There was hundreds. I think there was well over 600 when I looked on Instagram. Um, And a lot, I, I couldn't read them all. Of course, but a lot of people were like, that sounds like my experience or I've seen that or that's my boyfriend, husband or, hey, I'm one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, so I, like I said, I had this idea. I was like, I want to do a video of like, I'm dating a watch guy. I had this idea for like maybe a year, just the title and no details. And I just didn't know who I wanted to shoot it with. At first, I was like, maybe I'll try to like, you know, get like a real, you know, a watch YouTuber to show, like do it with. And then I just never... <laughs> Kind of got around that. And then I was just in New York and I was like, oh, my friend Dan, who's kind of does more videos about like, um, he roasts people about their like celebrity homes. And he's a little more like, I feel like he really taps into like culture. Like, so I was like, oh, he might be really fun to do it with. And I literally, that's what comedy is. I literally called him. I was like, hey, these are some ideas. I wrote some jokes. He, he was like, excuse me. He was like, I don't really know anything about watches. Let me call my friend who knows about watches so we can get like the specific wording and lingo down. And then that was like literally it. We shot it when I was back at home in New York city at my parents' apartment. And it took like two hours and we just were like having fun with it. I was like, literally, cause there's a part in the video, you know, when he's like going up to people and he's like pretending to be like, Oh, is that a, is that a, you know, Cartier? I, like I said, I'm not versed in vocabulary. No, of it's okay. Um, but yeah, that was literally me on like, for the people that live in New York city, I'm like on 89th and Lexington filming him just going up <laughs> to people. Like, it's just, that's what's so fun about the internet and it's crazy. It's like, you are literally just making these videos. Like there's no budget. There's nothing. It's just you and an idea and another funny friend. Um, yeah. What for you was the key to making it funny to other people? Because it was definitely relatable, like it had real watch collector cred. But of course, for it to be popular comedy, it's got to be absurd enough to a layperson. What for you was the key to doing that? I think definitely like honing in like what watch guys say, you know, they're like nuances. Um, you know, we had a scene where Dan is, you know, on the couch and I'm like, can we go to dinner? And he's like, I can't. I'm arguing with this guy right now who thinks Versace is like a real watch brand. So that's literally like something that really happened with me and my boyfriend. I was like, we need to go to dinner. And he's like arguing like with some guy. I don't even on some watch website. I don't even know where he finds these people. Um, so yeah, I would say that's kind of like where it, it like started from. And obviously my boyfriend was, you know, he really helped me. He inspired, he was my muse. So I'll tell you something I've, I've observed and I've been 
So I've been into watches since I'd say about 2001, and I've been professionally doing this since 2007. So I have, I've seen a lot of things earlier than others, and I've sort of been through the evolution of this. One of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of watch guys, if it wasn't for the watch hobby, they wouldn't have anything to relate to other guys on as adults and make friends. It is the vector <laughs> they have for friendships. And with that comes immaturities like trolling people online and maybe being too egotistical. But it is a way for, for adult men and women, of course, but a lot of adult men, because they don't have a lot of other hobbies like that, to connect. And one of the strangest things I've ever seen is like being in these big rooms of watch guys and see them trying to like awkwardly socialize because you don't become a serious, crazy watch nerd and have just like fluid social skills. Um, right. So I've always sat at the side. And for me, it's been professional, right? I haven't wanted to necessarily be everyone's buddy because I'm in media and I write about it. So I've had to keep a bit of a distance, but I watch them and it is hilarious to see these adult men in these awkward situations not knowing how to go up to one another. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, like literally my boyfriend, he, we go out and he just like, he doesn't even say hello to someone like another guy who has a watch. He literally just goes up to the person, looks at their watch. And then is like, is that a, give me, give me, give me a, like a Daytona. I don't know. Give me an example of what he might say. Well, I think what it is, is, is this guy like me? Like, does he care enough about his wristwatch to put time and effort into it? Like, will he argue its legitimacy? If I say, hey, like, I'm a guy who can have an argument with him and explain to him that Versace is a real watch brand. Like, I will change his mind. Yeah, no, he just, like, goes up to people. And my favorite, another thing I've noticed is it's so, I feel like watch guys, maybe this is only my boyfriend, they're very loyal for relationships. You will go on their Instagram feed and I'm only seeing watches. I'm actually like, where is the booty? Is there any like booty of a oh. random girl? It's just all like watches. Um, so I don't know if that's my boyfriend, but I have other friends too. Who no, I have to explain this to you a little bit and maybe you can okay. offer some insight. So I, again, I identified this several years ago. And basically what I found is that a lot of guys, their entire social media identity is enveloped in this idea of them being a watch collector. There's no other mention of what they do most of the time. Their name is like related to watches. Their their profile pictures like related to watches. And 100% or 95% of what they post and talk about is just on this hobby. And they don't have any other online presence. Like that is them online. So I can't explain why that is, but I've seen a lot of that. It's like they don't feel comfortable with any other part of their existence being public, that's the thing they're willing to put forward. And with that comes a lot of hilarity. Do you find that this is common? Because for me, I thought that's weird, but maybe that's, you know, what a lot of people do with their own hobbies. I mean, I guess like if you're a fan of anything, like, I mean, I'm not a Swifty, but if you're like a huge fan of Taylor Swift, like, you know, your whole identity might be about Taylor Swift. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. I think you like gravitate towards something you really love. But, but like nothing thing. about their family or anything else they, they are. It's, they're extremely discreet. A, a lot of these individuals, um, they'll go to events, and this is what I, I, I find hilarious. They won't go by actual names. They just recognize each other by their like online names. And they won't, there's no deeper questioning. It's like, you can't ask what you do for a living. You definitely can't ask too much personal information. You can go deep into stuff like how much you, you pay for this watch. But if it's like, you know, tell me the, the tell me where you live or what your job is. Like, oh, no, that's that's sort of like weird and off limits. 
Yeah. And like, for me, it's funny because I look at it like, oh, if you can have this watch that's like $60,000, I'm more, I don't care about the watch. I'm more interested. Like, what do you do for a living? How did you get that watch? Like another instance, it was like seven in the morning. Me and my boyfriend went to like a very small, like coffee shop in LA. It wasn't even a coffee shop. It was more just like, like a kiosk with one guy working there. And apparently him and he had this watch on. I didn't even notice my boyfriend starts talking. And then all I'm hearing is talking about how he bought it 10 years ago. And now he has three other watches. And the and then as we left, my boyfriend's like, that watch he's wearing is worth like $60,000. And I'm like, but how, I don't understand. He's working as a barista. I don't understand. Like, how did he get this money? Like, that's what I'm interested in. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I guess it's kind of, funny we should do like the opposite where it's like when i don't know anything about watches but yeah I, like I, I what it's s- like when my girlfriend doesn't know about watches kind of thing yeah like he gets mad at me or this could I, be another, a whole series like you could I do a whole is. another yeah. thing i noticed he did once which was so funny like i said really about like the commitment i think of these watch guys i think you should date a watch guy they're very commit they're very loyal <laughs> i think in relationships like one time we were out and he like just like in the video Dan did where he sees a guy and he's like scanning him almost like you would scan like a hot girl at a bar. I have seen my boyfriend do that multiple times when we're out. And I'm like, and I feel like I'm his friend being like, dude, you're too obvious. Like he literally will like look the person up and down and he'll stare at it. And I'm like, what are you doing? No, it's not looking up and down. It's, it's very strictly focused on the wrist. Our eyes stop there. It may look that way because our eyes are going down, but they don't go lower and they don't go okay, back up. It stays like, at the wrist. You're right. It does stay at the wrist, but then it's like a head <laughs> tilt. And I'm like, do you want to ask the watch out? Like it was this. We want to know, know what it is. It's like bird identification. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think have, it is we, a way for men to like, connect i mean we've been at weddings it's a way for them to you're right it's a way for men to make friends without seeming like hey do you want to be my friend it's more like hey i know this cool thing about watches and i think you might too and let's see if we you know are on the same wavelength about that the the funny thing is that there's this weird intersection of like it's a tool but a lot of it has to do with taste and for me a lot of the hilarity has to do with the idea that you have this, this strange intersection of people who are very headstrong and very egotistical. I don't mean in a bad way, but people that like watches like themselves. This is something I found a oh, lot, right? Oh, okay. But, I didn't know this. This is, I'm learning. Yeah. But the, the part of it is, as you know, different humans are going to have different tastes. It's like built in, right? Like we're not all going to like the same thing. So there's no one watch design or brand or model which is going to make everyone happy. So you have a bunch of people who think they're right but also have to remember that taste is something that you can't really argue. And that guy over there might like a color that you find hideous, but that's okay. And this is like something that they find difficult to reconcile a lot. And watch guys, are they guys that like, you know, were like nerdy and then now are like have some money and they're, or are they always like, were they always the cool guy? Were they never the cool guy? You know, the beauty is it's all of the above. There are so many ways of becoming a watch guy. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of different, like I'll call them facets 
of watches to appreciate. And for example, you might just like the mechanism. You might be like, this is nothing more than a well-made tool. I have to love it purely for utilitarian purposes and the value proposition of how well it does this thing for the cost. Then you have other people who care less about that. And the only thing which is important to them is what celebrities have chosen to wear and what's the most popular. They, both of these individuals like watches and they might like some of the same watches, but they don't have that much else in common. So this hobby has a lot of people who are collectors but have very different outlooks on life. So there's like all these different roads that kind of lead to this hobby. And that's why there's so many subcultures within it. Right, because it's, I feel like, you know, people that like love watching like, you know, bull riding. It's like, okay, you know that type of person, you know? Or like if someone loves like going actually. to like, I mean, I don't know them specifically, <laughs> or like monster truck racing, you know what I mean? Okay. Like with those big cars, you know that type of, you're like, okay, that person maybe lives in the South. You know what I'm talking about? But watch guys, I don't know. Yeah. I guess it sounds like they could be, it's all over. Well, I'll tell you something interesting I found. Um, so I started this, you know, doing this when I was 25 and I traveled a little bit, you know, gone Israel a lot as a kid and Europe a little bit before that. But all of a sudden, I found myself immersed in a real international industry where I was going to Europe and Asia, and I was interacting with all these people that I had nothing in common with except the uh, watch sort of interest. And I found that that was, a, that was enough of a bridge. And I could get along with all these people around the world that I knew nothing about. And we had all these different values. But because we shared this watch thing, there was like this strange thread that made it kind of work. And... Uh, it, I've had to sort of be like a, like a, a diplomat, almost had to learn that because that's what it takes to do international business. But I just, it couldn't have been done without that connecting thread because so many individuals have nothing else in common because they're from completely different parts of the world. Yeah. And I just like, and so in terms of like, obviously it's being a watch collector, it's more of a male thing than a female thing, right? Well, the watch industry is trying to change that. They would like nothing more, nothing more than for there to be a bunch of female watch collectors. And I think that they understand that women have so many more options. You know, you have right. various types of clothing. You have various types of other body embellishments, Bag, cosmetics, bags, jewelry of many types. Like watches are there, but I think that there's like a bunch of other hobbies that women like to invest their time and interest in and get out of their system before they ever get there. So the watch industry hasn't quite figured out how to get women into the hobby like men um, or what they really want to buy. So, you know, maybe you could give them some advice. Yeah. I mean, I do have a, I have a Seiko watch that my boyfriend got me. Of course. Um, which is nice. See, I have very small wrist. So I have like childlike wrists. So I almost need like a very small watch. <laughs> I love the disclaimer. Everyone that has small wrists always has to apologize for it. That's another funny thing. I don't know why. No, no one with a big wrist is like, my wrist is so big. I'm so, so I have small wrists too. But like people with small, like who are they apologizing to? Well, I think you're also kind of like weirdly <laughs> bragging in some way. Like I think we went watch oh. shopping, me and my boyfriend. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like it's almost like as a female, it's like, I'm so delicate. Like my wrist oh, is so okay. tiny. Because guys do the same thing. That's what's weird about it. Guys apologize as well. Like like they're afraid it'll be underwhelming or something. Like I, I knew you thought it was going to be bigger, but my wrist is only this. Like, no one's even thinking that until they brought it up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll never forget. There was um, now just like thinking so much about watches. There was this one guy I dated very briefly in New York years ago. And he had he was like this Israeli guy who and I'm like he loved like designer stuff. And he had this watch 
And I think it must have been like a Rolex or something. It was definitely something expensive because I remember he kept it in a, in a lock, in a safe, a lock, uh, a lock box or whatever. But the watch like didn't really fit him. And it kept like sliding off. And I just thought that was so strange. I'm like, why doesn't he like, I don't know, my head, the wording is get it taken in, like tailored. I don't know why. Do you think he was trying to sell it eventually and didn't want to like make it smaller? It was very, it was like literally falling off the whole time. I've seen this before. And you're right. They just didn't size it. It looked like he was trying to wear his like dad's suit. I I, I think he was trying to show off to me, but I'm like, if you're wearing something that's You want to know what it is? Yeah, explain. I'll to tell me. you what. There's there's two sides of it, and these are there might be more explanations out there. This is what I've come to because I'm like you. I'm like crazy curious about this behavior. One, they don't know you're supposed to be sized. They receive it as a gift, and they don't have the tools themselves. And they're just like, oh, this is the way it is because they've seen people wear loose bracelets and stuff like that. Um, or they had like a relative. They're like, my dad always wore this watch. It was about to fall off, so that's how I think I'm supposed to do it. But like, those are the primary reasons you'll find apparent watch wearing behavior like that oh i was gonna say is it like i don't know in high school for me all the boys wear their pants super low and like oversized and baggy i'm like oh is that like a style you do with like watches you wear it like oversized i don't know <laughs> look i mean uh speaking of size that is the number one thing watch guys in my experience argue about and again, it's basically anatomy. It's like trying to say like there's a perfect you know, size of pants. Like, no, it depends on your body. But they will like viciously get angry at one another because someone likes a bigger or smaller size than what's meant for them. And ultimately, everybody just wants the watches they want to be made in the size they like. But like the insane level of time people spend online arguing about the perfect watch size or criticizing someone else for their watch size choices has always seemed, well, just absurd to me. And I'm sure you'd find it funny too. Yeah, so I guess, are you supposed to wear it where it's like super tight? I mean, it's not supposed to flop around. Hmm. I just don't, I just thought about that could be funny too if it's like totally oversized and they're just having a complete argument. But I get it too, because as a woman, you know, you have some type, you have, if a woman's wearing a, like a expensive dress and it's like so tight on her, you're like, I feel like you don't like respect her as much. And if, you know what I mean? I feel like if it's something's too tight, you don't like respect the person. You don't think they have good taste. Okay, so this is something I've been trying to figure out for a long time because in Japan, they treat it exactly the same. But is a man's interest in watches basically the same as a woman's interest in handbags? I guess, but when my boyfriend is scrolling through the watches, I maybe he feels this way too if I'm scrolling through bags, but they all just start to look the same. Now, I, mean, I, I hope people aren't turning this off and getting mad at me, but they just... How dare she? To, <laughs> it starts to give me, like, a headache. I don't know. They all start to look the same. He's like, what do you think about this one? And I'm like, I, they literally... It looks exactly the same to me. So here's what you're saying. Your boyfriend, like many watch lovers, has preferences, right? <clears throat> but there's so many options within what you like that you're like, I, I'm only going to buy one watch of this style, and I'm going to look at every single thing which is made kind of like that. And so they're looking for like super small differences to determine what they think is the most beautiful and the coolest or whatever. And so, yeah, it's going to look exactly the same to you because only he sees those small differences. Like the hands are different. The color's different. The size is a bit different. Like there's these styles that persist. And maybe it's like that in women's fashion. There's certain core looks that multiple brands will make. Uh, But it, it is a way of men obsessing over something fashionable in a way that I think our society doesn't really 
have elsewise because we don't have the Western man obsessing over fashion in any other category, which is socially acceptable other than watches. Yeah, I was going to say the thing you asked me, like, is, you know, a man's obsession of watches like the same as a woman, like with her bag collection. I think the difference is when like women buy bags, they're not saying like, oh, this is for my collection or I'm like collecting it. You know what I mean? They're just buying it because they think it's pretty or cool. And yes, maybe you could have it for a really long time, but they're not seeing it as like, oh, this is a collection piece. But I feel like men kind of see watches like that. We need the justification. Of why you're spending so much? Why we're (laughs) acting irrationally. (laughs) Look, the number one topic that you get into when you get into like deep intellectual top, you know, discussion about watch collecting is why do us rational men act so irrationally and focus on spending all this money and time on these things that no one needs? And it's this big existential question. This, of course, answers. But that's their main question is, I think I'm such a rational guy and I'm trying to use rational decisions to do an irrational thing, which is buy a luxury watch. Now, my boyfriend at one point was talking about people trading watches. Is there events you go to where people actually trade watches? I'm trying to make some, actually. I've had this idea for a long time because people end up buying a lot of watches, but reselling them sucks. So it would be great if you could just trade it with someone else. So informally, there are, but... I mean, look, this community of like, so it's watch like rent, ra- yeah, you need to create like rent the rent, rent the runway for watches. Do you know it's what been rent attempted. The is? It's been attempted. Look, look, here's the thing. The problem is these are small, easy to lose, easy to break, have a high right. value. Uh, insurance on them is insane. There was this company out of New York uh, for a bunch of years called Eleven James. And their whole thing was that you would pay a subscription, a law, a big subscription each month to rent like, what watches. Are we talking? Thousands. Like 20,000? No, like it was a rental service. So like you'd spend, I don't know, like one, like one of their higher tiers was like two or 3,000, maybe up to 5,000 bucks a month. And it was like an early Netflix, right? You'd like send one back and they'd send you a new one um, in the mail. And it, it, was, it was unsustainable because the number of people for whom this made sense but not to actually buy the watches was very small. They thought their bodies like corporate bankers and like, one of their like perks would be like, hey, uh, if you get this job, we're going to get you a luxury watch subscription. So you won't be able to own any, but you'll be able to wear fancy watches while you're on the job. Um, so there's been a lot of weird permutations, but it's but just also, never been financially viable. Yeah. And the thing with that, I feel like when you own a watch as a man, you love telling like the story behind it. And I feel like if there's a watch subscription, it kind of takes that like away from it. It's not sexy. It's not sexy to be like, yeah. oh, it's the monthly one is you know like no one wants to do like the birch box of watches you want the story you want where you bought it from how much you got it from how much it is now so i can see maybe why you know i feel like that i feel like for watches for men it's like your engagement ring you know if you get engaged a woman tells the story behind it and obviously their value is very high and for you guys it's kind of the same, I feel like. But we couldn't wear the same one all the time. That would sound like we're in prison. Like, oh my God, that's our engagement watch. Like, I have to, I can't change it up. Like, that would be difficult. Yeah. What's like the, because I'm just so curious about watches. What's like the nuttiest watch guy you've ever met since you're such in the industry? I mean, the re- the reality is I probably can't discuss it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, a lot of these people, this is the thing about watches. Some of the world's most powerful people are like hardcore watch collectors, okay? Everyone from like Bill Clinton to Schwarzenegger to Vladimir Putin are all like hardcore watch collectors. And 
you know, it's just- Are they th- on those Reddit threads too? They may be, okay? They they super might be. I, I would not be surprised. I mean, I know that, you know, the blog to watch audience has, you know, a bunch of commenters, but there's like a lot of important people out there that would never comment, but follow the content because they like watches. So once in a while, I interact with these people and like, they don't want a lot of visibility on them, but some of their- watch collecting stories. I mean, these are bored, rich people that want to have fun with their hobby. So they go to great lengths to make sure that it's fun, whether it's like hunting for some crazy rare watch where they go around the world and convince some guy to sell it to them, to making incredible one-of-a-kind things that are weird and they don't want anyone else to see. Like, I I guess for many years, you know, starting with the story of the Marie Antoinette watch, People have basically said, like, I'm amazing. I'm going to pay a watchmaker to make the world's most complicated watch for me. And then I can show it off and be like, hey, everyone, I have this crazy complicated thing. Like, that's a story which has repeated itself a number of times throughout history for, like, the last 300 years. And even today, there's just, like, rich people out there being like, what do I do? I got to call this watch company and pay millions of dollars for them to make a -a one-of-a-kind thing. Once I get it, I'll forget about it. I can't wear it too much because it's, like, too complicated. Like, I don't understand even myself, even though I love these objects, all that mentality. But the men and women that do this, like, you know, these are shady characters a lot. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I watched some YouTube channel, I guess a big watch channel. I wish I could remember it. It's a guy. I think he's he's older. He's Australian or British. You know who I'm talking about? And he's definitely, I, I, I probably know him. I mean, there's a lot, that doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> okay, it doesn't. Okay, he said, I just, hold on. Should I go ask my boyfriend what it is? Probably, sure. Okay, like, I'll be right back. Okay. Hi, this is Mark from longislandwatch.com. Does my voice sound familiar? You might know me from my YouTube videos. I've been selling watches online since 2001 and have grown to become the first place watch enthusiasts visit when they want to make a purchase. Although my education background is in engineering, I learned all my retail prowess from my father, who was also a business owner and watch lover. Long Island Watch features watches that enthusiasts like you enjoy from a wide variety of brands. Throw in fair pricing and the worry-free ownership that we provide, and you'll see why we have remained a reliable source for watches in the industry. My staff and I have decades of watch knowledge that you will be hard-pressed to find anywhere else. We are enthusiasts first and treat you how you want to be treated. We've got the most desirable models from the big players, such as Seiko, Citizen, and Bulova. But you know the real value lies in the more esoteric brands, such as Marathon, Formex, Islander, Phoebus, Laco, Damasco, and others. So keep in touch until you are ready to get your next timepiece. Could be tomorrow, could be next week. Our best deals are found in our members-only newsletter that you can sign up for today at longislandwatch.com. Thanks for listening. I don't know. He left. He probably just didn't want to hear me talking shit about him. Oh. But I don't know where he went. I think, okay, it was a guy who was, like, really funny. He was older, and he was just going around buying watches. But he was definitely, like, a character. But he was kind of buying, like, the ugliest watches I've ever seen. I mean, there's, like, this This only narrows it down to, like, five people. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't know what his name was. But he, I don't know, like, whatever. It was just so interesting because he would go into, like, a store that wasn't even really a store. It was just some guy, like, in Beverly Hills, you know, had, like, you know, a lot of security. It was, like, uncut gems, really. It reminded me of that, the scene. And he would go and he would buy these watches. I think he was buying them for people. And he'd be like, this, okay, all together, like, 300000 And I don't know. I found the watches so ugly. It was, like, some gold thing at one point. But, yeah, he was definitely, there's definitely, like, a lot of characters in that world. 
Uh, Look, I was in Moscow a number of years ago, and I was at the Ulysses Nardan boutique, uh, basically right next to the Kremlin. People don't always realize there's like a luxury shopping district right next to the Kremlin. And um, this is a brand I've been working with for a number of years. And I went there actually to film an interview uh, because they had a couple of collectors that were these old Soviet era guys. And we sat in this back room and they were just chain smoking. We're talking about like being into watches in Soviet Russia in the 80s and 90s. And like, this was crazy. I remember one point talking to the uh, boutique manager and, you know, like you look at the area and I say to him kind of tongue in cheek, but not really. I was like, um, is this strange for you that like most of the people coming in here are like criminals? <laughs> and he said, and he thought about this. And he wasn't like <laughs> offended or anything like that. It was like, he was like seriously contemplating. It's like, you know, I tell myself that some of them are not. And I was yeah, like, just to make himself sleep at night. Yeah. And I guess what I thought to myself is, you know what? There's a lot more destructive things that these people could be putting their money into, right? Like supporting the arts and crafts movement of, I guess it's still luxury, but like they could be doing so much worse than this. And I think that's sort of the one of the reasons that this industry has persisted for so long is that in addition to it being like a super cool hobby for guys that just like stuff to connect, it's also this really attractive like end game hobby for ultra rich because they just like to buy fun stuff and there's a lot of ways to enjoy it. And that's allowed it to sort of persist because it has this pyramid, right? It has like this crazy stuff at the top and more mainstream stuff at the bottom. And as long as the industry can can have this pyramid, it'll stay really crazy cool. So I'm not trying to dodge the question at all. It's just that I've seen some some of the world's most wild people, some incredibly polite people, horrendously crude people, horrendously crude people, <laughs> but that all share this like real legitimate gentlemanly love of watches and it just continues to outstand me and i'm just sort of along for this ride i just go on these trips around the world and i'm like oh mafioso likes watches cool hello right like a guy in like the middle east who owns tigers and then a guy who's like you know works as like a really good copywriter job in greenpoint they might like love the same watch it really can bring like two different people oh you would have dug dubai in november there's an event what? called Dubai. I was so in November. I was in Dubai for this event that happens every other year called Dubai Watch Week, and it's open to the public. And it's basically like all the watch guys from the Middle East converge for a week. Wow. And yeah, and that's that's nuts because, and I guess I've been told this because I'm not an expert of the region, but this is where they sort of like just chill out. Like when they talk watches, this is the most open they ever are about anything. And sometimes they talk about nothing else about watches. And I promise you, politics and economics is not brought up. But this is where these traditionally closed individuals will bear their soul and be like, guys, I do like purple. Right. You know? <laughs> and it's, again, from I think you would have observed a lot of hilarity seeing all that. Well, maybe I'll, I don't know. What is it, once a year? Every other year. Oh, every. I love how it's every other year. That also is such a watch thing. It's like, <laughs> no, it's every other year. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, I feel like I got to get, I have to get to one of these events. I think my video, you know, usually I feel like I don't usually like do series. Like my stand up clips, that's, I wouldn't say that's a series, but I don't, in terms of sketches, they're usually like one off characters. But I feel like this watch thing, I gotta, you know, maybe I can get to like a really cool this thing in Dubai. 
I need someone to sponsor me to go to Dubai. I'll make a video. You should you <laughs> should aim to be a host for these events once in a while. These again, these events, it's hard to get the people that are comfortable because they're a bunch of awkward watch guys. And once in a while, I've seen a host who's been like charismatic and kind of funny. I think that I think you could do that because you you kind of understand them a lot more than these other hosts that I've seen that have been hired because they, they, they don't understand the vocabulary, the jar. They don't understand any of it. So they're just like, I've so many times I'm like, do they know who they're talking to? But they need that, that ice breaking kind of thing. Like that could be a niche for you. So if you keep up with this comedy, Maybe. people will know you as the comedian that, you know, likes watches, but gets to laugh about it. Cause there's, there needs to be more the self deprecation. For the collectors, not enough of that. Yeah. And when I was thinking about doing this video, you know, with my videos, there are some topics that other people have done, but I just, I always like go on YouTube even because I'm like, you know, on Instagram. So I typed into YouTube, like watch guy, you know, I was really trying to find like, has anyone ever made like a parody of this? Because sometimes watching other people's kind of gets my wheels turning. Then there was like nothing. It was just literally, there was no parody. It was just watch guys. I was like, this is hysterical. So we've we've made fun of one another. So what there has been, and this is like deep within the subculture, there's certain Instagram accounts that are, we'll call them parody accounts. So you first need to know watch culture, and then you need to understand some of the jokes, which oftentimes are dumb because there's a bunch of amateurs. Like once in a while, there's really funny ones. But there's like a couple of accounts that were known for what I'll say is like meme style watch comedy. There was never a personality behind it. In fact, there were always discreet. But a lot of it comes from the fact that to make a good joke, you have to sort of understand the culture. But when you're in the culture, you understand how sensitive everyone is. And and it's it's less so the Americans, but the Europeans that really kind of drive the luxury side of it, um, they don't take jokes very well. And, and a lot of this is just sort of being like, we don't care, you're going to listen to it anyways. Yeah. And I feel like what did well with the video too, is I feel like I was hitting like either like, this is me or some, you know, girls were like, oh my God, this is my boyfriend. So it seemed like it was really hitting like both parties, which kind of what kind of makes sometimes like a viral video. Like, even though sometimes, you know, I have videos that I don't think is going to do well. And then it does other videos. I put so much work into, it doesn't do that, perform that well. But I, you know, I think there is a little bit of a science to the internet a little bit. I guess you kind of have to because it's so punishing to you. If you don't have something popular, you're so discouraged, right? Wait, what do you mean? So <clears throat> my understanding is that when you when you put stuff, content online, again, we do this all the time, especially these days, like if it's not trending or popular, if the algorithm doesn't want to promote it, it you don't get a lot of views and that can be very discouraging. So in the interest of making sure that you get the engagement you want, you end up doing what is sort of trendy and it's difficult to be original. Yeah, totally. And I think it is because like I've been making videos like comedy videos for like a really long time. And I, I think it's up until like the past two years, I really have like understood, even though the algorithm is a robot, it's not really a robot. It's really like the people behind it. So kind of I always say like, oh, you know, when I post like one for them, one for me, you know, because I've made some like very artsy videos. I made this video where it was like, girl who's having a mental breakdown and she goes to Palm Springs. And I went to Palm Springs with <laughs> my boyfriend and we shot it. It was like very artsy and I, it was just very fun to edit. And I did like fine. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is breaking the internet. But that one was more for me because I edited it more like kind of like film-esque. Um, 
but the watch one, I would say that was for, that was for my boyfriend mostly. So I'm, I'm just sort of ask a couple questions about the, you know, the business of, of being a comedian these days. Obviously, having a, a, a presence on social media to be popular there is how people get to know you. But like, what do you ultimately want to do? Is it, is it picked up, um, you know, for some type of other type of entertainment or is it to do more, uh, you know, stand up and touring and sell tickets? I'm just curious, like, what is the business dream? Yeah, I think for me, I like having my feet in like different things. Like, I love making comedy videos because before I was like a full-time comedian, I was a video editor. So I really know that kind of like world. And so I love, you know, directing and writing and editing my own videos where some stand-ups are just like, I hate doing that. I don't want to do that. Um, But yeah, I would love to make like more videos and keep that going. And luckily I've been working with like a lot of brands and I kind of want to like expand that. And then with my stand-up, in the same thing, it's like kind of been moving and I've been like headlining more. Um, I would say the goal is really like both of them, like creating really funny videos, having people connect through that, then eventually having them come to see my shows. That, that's interesting for me because again, with the world of, you know, online media and stuff today, it's just, it's so different. I mean, it used to be, you know, clubs want to book you and maybe you'll get some movie spots and wow, if you could get into like a, a sketch comedy troupe or something like that. Um, again, just being such a fan of it. I mean, look, my background is before I did this is uh, I went to law school as going to be an entertainment lawyer. So for oh, me, okay. it was all about representing talent. You know, I grew up in L.A. So that was that was my interest. I'm always interested about the livelihood of artists and, you know, just what they want to do. And of course, the changing business of all this means that new opportunities open and old ones close. Um, and one of the, the funny things, actually, which I guess comedians really haven't had is, you know, in the, historically is ambassadorships and stuff like that. And so the watch industry is obsessed like this. Uh, there's maybe been a few, but not too many comedians that have had that. Would you ever want to be a watch brand ambassador? I mean, sure. I mean, let's do it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think there are, though. Like, I feel like with comics, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I feel like male comics are really into watches because if you're like, I don't know, like, you know, you're selling out arenas, like you probably want to buy a few like really nice Rolexes or I don't know what's above Rolexes. A lot. <laughs> yeah. <Here's> a <laughs> that's all I keep saying because that's all my mind really knows. But um. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know, maybe I found like a, a different niche. Usually I thought my niche was kind of like my hair. Cause I like for the audience that is listening, I have like curly red hair. I thought that was maybe my niche, but maybe it's being like a watch girl and kind well, of like, you know, the naiveness that I'm kind of coming at it with. And people are like, you know, laughing with me or at me. Cause maybe, maybe they don't understand either. Well, I think that if it's the watch space, what you do is you add um, a comforting angle of normalization. Yes, you're laughing at it, but you're a regular person who isn't freaked out by this. And I think a lot of guys have had the experience that when they share their watch hobby with a girl, it's not like, oh my God, tell me more. It's, uh, do I want to hear about this? Is he going to buy me one? Where is this going? That's like, like, I always think, I'm always like, <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend, he was looking at, what are these? There's a watch that I like, the Cartier tank. Sure. 
yeah, the woman watched that, I guess all the girls in like Dime Square wearing in this like part of New York, it's like the cool area. And he'll like talk about it and he'll be like, do you like it? Like show me the watch. And then obviously in the back of my head, I'm like, is he buying me this watch? That's the whole, you're right. That's as a woman. That's the whole time what I'm thinking. I'm like, is he buying me this watch? And then I act interested because I'm like, he might be buying me the watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if he was to say to me, I'm not buying you the watch, I would have been like, okay, I'm going to go like in my bedroom and watch Bravo. Okay. So here's an important question to all the men out there that are legitimately interested in not making their hobby threatening and even making it kind of compelling. How do you make your interest of watches more palatable to the, uh, to the female? Well, I do have to say, being a watch guy, there is something very sexy. I'm into it. You'd rather date a guy that's into watches than into like playing video games or like doing, I don't know, like those sports leagues where all the guys wear like the same t-shirts. There's something like sexy about a watch guy. I feel like, you know, you'd rather him do that and be interested in that than talking about like Fortnite. So it's not that bad. It's definitely like a good hobby you want your boyfriend to have. So it's seen as being a mature thing. It's not childish. Mature. It's seen as being like, oh, he knows about style. He knows about culture. Um, maybe he's financially stable because he can afford these watches or he likes nice things. Oh, he's into this watch. Maybe, you know, girls had, we go from A to Z. He likes watches. Oh, this summer, maybe he'll take me south of France. And so I think there's a, a lot of room for us to see, like, I don't know. I think watch guys are successful. Look, you're right. Like there's a lot of you're, pluses. You're, you know, you're not like looking at boobs or you're not like your hobby isn't going to strip clubs. I, I feel like watch guys are smart. Here's the thing. You're, you're right, generally. But what comes to mind is all the funny stories where it was like, oh, he's so safe. He's just a watch guy. And then there's some <laughs> ridiculous things, scandalous thing, which happens. That, uh, no, it should be like, oh, my God, he's so safe. He's a watch guy. He's all these watchers. And the next thing is just like the FBI coming into his apartment and being like, I thought I was safe with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of danger has come you know, with, with the sort of social media side, bringing people together with the exposure and the fact that people now are scared a little bit more about showing it off. So one right. of the newer trends is I want to wear something expensive. That is important to me. But I don't want the average person to necessarily know it's expensive. So this is why the sort of like diamond encrusted watch trend began to recede. Uh, then everyone sort of got hip to what every Rolex looks like. But there's sort of this cat and mouse game between I want something expensive, but I don't want people to know it's expensive because I'm concerned or more discreet. And then people learn about it like, oh, everyone knows this is expensive now and I got to move on. So that's, I think, one of the interesting manifestations of it not necessarily being, you know, too in your face all the time. Okay, so how does a guy, a guy wants to talk about his watch with, with a woman. Should he wait does she show interest? Or if there's a way of bringing it up, what's the least creepy way of saying, I feel like talking about my watch right now? I mean, I definitely wouldn't bring it up on the first date. That seems <laughs> a little strange. I would say like if you're like a month and a half into dating a girl. Month saying, and a half. Wow. I, I don't know. It just That's hard. I, I would, okay, here's the thing. A month. I would say a month. If something happens and you like on the date and then you look over and you see some watch and you have to talk to that guy about you can come back to the, you know, the table to the girl and be like, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a bit of a watch guy. Like, kind of play it off as, like, silly and fun. And then she'll be like, oh, a watch guy. Like, that's safe. That's nothing crazy. So I think kind of like, you know, 
telling her softly. I wouldn't, you know, then go into like a whole speech about watches for an hour. I would say each day you can give your watch obsession talk five minutes. It can expand depending on how long you're with this girl. Like I've been with my boyfriend for two years. So sometimes he goes on for 45 minutes. That's okay. We've been, we're committed. But if you're early on, you got to be, you got to home, you know, I mean, my mom would say that about me. She'd be like, don't show every quality about you. So I think the same with watch guys, you know, just hold out a little bit with the watches. You don't want to come off like too nutty. It, it, you're, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's reminding me of why I started my website to begin with, because, um, you know, in my 20s at the time, my my friends who I had did not share uh, my interest in watches. And they would realize I would talk about a lot. So they gave me a quota. They're like, Ariel, your watch time ha- is expired today. It's, it's enough. <laughs> and when I started my website, I didn't know it was going to be just about watches. It was like, oh, I have other interests. And I, and I did not realize that I could sit down and write about watches every single day ongoing. I knew this vastly exceeded the, you know, the patience of basically anyone that wasn't a watch lover. But like the insane level you can get into it can sometimes cloud you and allow you to forget that the average person thinks that you're acting insane. And I guess my advice, and maybe you could tell me your thoughts on it to guys out there, is unless she exhibits her own interest in a hobby and is like crazy into something, like it sounds like you're a complete weirdo. Like be normal for a while and then be like, oh, and I have these hobbies I'm really into because no, every, you would be threatened if like on the first date, she would be like, we got to talk about cosmetics the entire time. I know you don't wear it or, or, or care about it, but I just need you to know how into cosmetics. I mean, I, I, that's just a weird example. I don't know, but like that would yeah. be a bit off-putting to a guy. Yeah, I think totally. Unless you like both met at a watch event. Um, I mean, maybe in some of the guys' bio, like on Hinge, they could write like also looking for a watch enthusiast or something. Then you go on a date with another watch girl and then this is like a match made in heaven. But yeah, I think... um, I don't know if a watch girl wants to be with a watch guy. Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know. I've never like met like two people... I've seen girls like have nice watches because their boyfriend like got them into it, but they're not into it. They're not, they're not into like talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like watch guys talk about watches as much as like, okay, here, here's an example. When you talk, when men talk about watches and we're not like a watch fanatic as a female, it's like when girls talk about Bravo TV celebrities and men are just like, I've seen a few episodes. Yeah, they seem crazy, but we know like every detail about these housewives you know what i mean like we will go to their events so it's kind of like the same level of um i guess insanity about your weird interest i don't know if i can think of any hobbies that that men and women who are dating or in a relationship like that bond over usually it's like they enjoy having it separate like you know the 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 closest overlap to watch enthusiasm that i think most people understand is probably car enthusiasm it's not right, exactly right. the same, but it's similar. And I've never seen guys in the cars, like they've dragged along the significant other, but I've never heard a guy be like, man, all I want to do is find a girl who's in the cars. Yeah, you're right. I think there are certain like, you know, hobbies that you share that certain genders like more than others. And that you're not looking for that because you kind of already know like, all right, I think this is more of like a female thing, you know? So what are some of the, 
new funny things that you want to put into some of your next content? Because I want to help, you know, get the get the ball rolling here. I feel like you need to continue the joke or continue the theme. I feel the like theme. we need to talk about different watch guys because I didn't really know there's different types of watch guys. You know what I mean? It sounds like there's the guy that you're saying that's like almost like, a, is he criminal? You know okay, so here, here's a hilarious thing to me I was going to bring up, and maybe you'll find this funny, and this is kind of what you're talking about. There is a type of individual, and the, he shows up at watch events, and this is what his aim seems to be. He wants to impress other watch collectors. So it's a guy who seems to exclusively be interested in peacocking to other men. Right. Sometimes to the degree where they're not actually interested in watches, they just very much want to be in the positive favor of people who appear to really be into watches. And these are the people that, that, that buy watches from like top 10 lists and things like that, where they don't make a personal decision. I have found it hilarious that these guys go to great lengths to get this validation from these other men. And I don't know what their end game is. They're not looking to date them or, or hire anybody or be work, you know, hired by. I don't know what their end game is. And because I don't understand what their goals are, I find that hilarious because they spend inordinate amounts of time trying to peacock around to other dudes with seemingly little to gain. Yeah. Or I think like maybe like another idea, maybe with this type of watch is like going to these events and like, I don't know, hitting camera and maybe I dress up as a guy, I don't know, or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, that, that alone is the recipe for something funny to happen. I mean, because I, I love, yes, I love doing sketches, but I also like, I think people are just very funny. And I'm sure you just like interviewing watch guys would be like, like you know, also you can pick the guy. You're like, okay, this guy wearing like a velvet suit and like a gold watch. I'm sure he'll have some interesting things to say. But, you know, kind of like a man on the street interview at these watch collection. And you, you want to go incognito in the disguise? Maybe incognito. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pitching. I don't. I, I have to think about it more. But maybe no. This is how you brainstorm. You figure it out, and there's going to be genius in there somewhere. Yeah, maybe incognito. One, one idea is I go incognito and I just pretend I know everything about watches, and then I could also start a rumor about. And I have to think about the details, but start a rumor about maybe some watch coming out or a watch, you know ending or something. I could start a rumor at this. Uh... So here's what's funny in these things I'm thinking. People's private assessments of watches are oftentimes very different than what they say. So let's say they want to be polite. They're like, oh, that's beautiful. But what they really think is like, oh my God, what a horrible piece of trash. So hearing like what they really think, I think is funny. And then if you go to someone and you, you might even feign interest, but if you like, shh, give them an opportunity to like open up about their watch appreciation, like an audience that wants to hear about why I like the watch on my wrist. They won't shut up. And they sometimes say things that are like absurd because they think they're in a safe space. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think those are two ideas. One idea is like more not hitting camera, just like interviewing, asking guys what they love about watches, finding like specifically a guy that looks like he'll probably say some crazy shit. <laughs> then the opposite of me going undercover and we either like, so these watch, I don't know, they're not fairs, events. They're showing watches, right? Look, they're everything from commercial events to casual get-togethers where a bunch of guys, all they know is that there's other watch guys here and it's a bar. I mean, that's it, 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 it runs the gamut. Yeah, oh, I'm thinking, is, are there, is there an event where there's like just different booths of watches? Yeah, there's, there's little trade shows where trade there's shows. vendors. Okay. Yeah. 
I guess a lot of that stuff. I think that's what I got to go to. And then like, you're right, kind of me looking at it with one guy or whoever, and then I kind of talk to them on the side. And I'm like, that thing was pretty shit. I mean, your right? boyfriend's going to let you know, if you say you're interested in going to watch events with him, and maybe he doesn't, he wants that to be a solo guy activity, but his eyes are going to light up, I think. Oh, no, he's, he, I think he might be excited. He, um, and he helps me with my videos too. He helps me film them. So I think this might be our next situation. Do you have any stand-up where you do this, or is this just a video so far? It's just a video. Um, but I did have a bit I was kind of trying to work on where one time my boyfriend, he went away for like two weeks, and he came back, and we're snuggling in bed, and he goes to me, I really missed you. And then he goes, Mwah! And I was like, oh, I, I heard the kiss, but I didn't feel it. And then I turn around, and he's kissing his Rolex. No. I, I swear to God. And I was like, he was like, doing just to, to, to get a laugh out of you? He's getting a laugh? No, but he said he really missed it. He said he really missed the watch. What and What? What did he miss about it? He said he just, well, he recently bought it. And I think he didn't, he didn't want to bring it away with him because he felt like he was going to lose it. So he really missed the watch. So I think I, what I would want to know, do, like, what does this watch do? For, where does this love stand? I believe he feels it. I just want to know what the watch from, does like, for hard, I think it stems from, like, hard work of knowing that you bought the watch. I think that's also, like, a something there. Were you were you threatened a little bit of the watch? I was. I was kind of pissed. I'd be. I, I mean, like, that's a lot of affection, not directed towards, you know, where you think it should go. I know. I was like, what the hell? Nobody was doing it to be funny, but I think he really did mean it. I think it was, like, 50-50 both. I don't know if watches should even be in the bedroom. It seems like a lot of competition. That is true. Yeah, I, he really should take it off. It's distracting. It's like, you know how guys get mad at girls? Because, like, get off your phone and you keep scrolling. And it's like, with the guys, it's like, stop looking at your watch. Like, what is, at least with Instagram, there's move, moving images. But with a watch, what are you looking at? Okay, this this is a bit, not that I normally talk about these topics, but we're on it. This is something that's related and funny. I've been part of several conversations where guys discuss the relative experience and value of wearing during certain watches during intercourse, wearing nothing else, but how does that enhance the experience? Like, did you oh enjoy God, it more wearing so this? Oh my that is so funny. That is the I, equivalent I, of <laughs> having intercourse and looking at yourself in a mirror. Those uh, are the same type yeah, of guys. Yeah, I could see that. So yeah, <laughs> they would say, I, I, I was excited. I got a glance of the watch when I was doing this or that or... Uh, you know, and then sometimes this it's funny. This is going in my next video. This is too funny. You know, she wants me to take it off. It's scratching her, but I really wanted to keep it on. So I had to find the watches that were smoother so it didn't cause discomfort. And like, these are actual things that people are thinking about. So they want to wear because they feel like it's a power thing for them? Oh, gosh. I mean, why does this is the same guy that like won't take his watch off in the shower. There's no reason to shower with it, but they do it. They can't explain why. It's like, yeah, I shower with my watch. Like, it's, I'm telling you, that's dumb. If you, that's bad for the watch. Don't do that. I, you clean it other ways. But like, there's guys like, yeah, or I, I got to sleep with it. Some guys don't take it. It's, so I don't understand it, but it's funny to me. The watch thing and having intercourse with it is very funny. That is a, definitely a type of guy that's like, you know, he wants to show off his power. Maybe he wants to distract the girl from something else that's missing. <laughs> right, so I'll, I'll bring this up again because I, I made this content. Every single year, my contribution to comedy is on April Fool's. And I do uh, an April Fool's thing on a blog to watch every year. And I've done it for over a decade now. I don't really think anyone appreciates it much as I like doing them. Uh, but they're really, really funny to me. 
And one of the earlier ones was, and again, these a lot, a lot not they're not all of them are farcical watches. Was a watch. It was a very, it was a re, it was a fake Richard Mille. It, it will, anyways. You would wear it during sex, and it would count your number of thrusts. And the idea was that you would be, try to best your score. It was basically like an activity counter for that, but it was mechanical and extremely expensive and stuff like that. Because you know, I had already identified that this was a funny thing. Um, and the brand itself actually came out with an erotic watch a little bit after that. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, like, again, I maybe maybe that joke was too early. That's just like 10 years ago that I've done that. But I've been thinking about the hilariousness for a long time because, for me, I could see a guy legitimately doing that. They ha- This is the same company that made a watch with a G-force meter. And the idea is that you would sit in a race car and drive really, really fast – and there was a measurement on the watch that told you like how many G's you hit. You're like, oh man, I hit that many G's. I'm gonna push myself harder. So it's like, what if the same concept was like, I'm gonna track and push my own performance during intercourse and the hilarity of that and what the partner, of course, might be thinking during this process. Yeah, I mean that definitely sounds like, you know, the girl might have to that's definitely you shouldn't do the first time you sleep with this girl. Just warning you. Definitely uh <laughs> if you're a guy that you got a fetish and you want your watch involved. You know, just like a normal relationship, bring up your fetish a little, you know, a little later on. Don't show it right away. So the last thing I want to ask you, because we're almost out of time, is speak a little bit to watch brands themselves, because I think that you're the type of person that they need to be talking to and getting excited about by. You've seen the watch industry, but it doesn't sound like you've seen something that's compelled you. What do you think the watch industry should do or brands should do to, to capture more of your interest? Or is it just a matter of time and eventually you'll, you'll, you'll get into it? You know, I think, like I said, there's not that many watches for women. And I think if people... Oh, but there like, are. But are there? I've, oh, yeah. I've looked for a lot and I didn't love a lot of them. Maybe you haven't seen them and that's fine. There, a lot of them are hard to find, but I'm telling you, it goes very deep and, and the most beautiful women's watches are way more beautiful than the most beautiful men's watches. Well, I was going to say that maybe, I mean, you know, take, I don't know, just take brands that are already kind of popular. Like I love this designer brand. It's called Love Shack Fancy. It's designer. It's kind of newer, but I feel like brands should kind of like, you know, work with popular but not like pop when i mean popular clothing brands i don't mean ones that've been around for decades i'm not talking like mark jacobs or Miu Miu. i'm talking like the really like up and comer ones um and kind of work with them because you might get those like younger girl audiences. you're talking collabs basically i think collabs might be the way to go All right you know i feel like there's a lot of things they can do there Okay, that makes perfect sense. And that's actually super popular on the men's side. Admittedly, there's been a lot fewer um, for the, the, women's, the women's side. I mean, here's the thing. Most of the guys in the watch industry don't necessarily know how to think like a woman because they're a guy. So there's mostly men in the watch industry, so they're more comfortable creating collaborations of products for other men. Uh, it's, there have been a lot more women that have come in the industry, but I think that's really what's sort of missing is you need to have what they call a product person who really cares about the product, right. making some of these decisions, knowing who these you know small up-and-coming artists uh, and, and designers are, because it's exactly what they're doing in the men's side, and that's proven so commercially successful. So thank you for reinforcing that that same strategy could work equally well uh, for women. Yeah, and I feel like right now, like a really popular watch I see is this Cartier tank for women, and I see them wearing it, and then I, they have all these other, like, you know, maybe they have... Um, 
like, you know, a Cartier bracelet on with it. They have, a, that's like the new trend I'm kind of seeing with girls. They have the Cartier tank and then they've got like the, all these other bracelets. So it kind of like stacks. So it doesn't just, it's not just like a standalone. Um, but yeah, I feel like if they kind of made that kind of cool and like did a few more collabs, I think it could really help the watch community. We're going to have to get you to more of these events. You got to go to these events. You got to help. Your boyfriend's going to take you. Maybe, maybe some brand uh, will get to hire you as a as a host or something like that. Uh, but you got to. You just need more exposure. That's what I think right now. So we'll we'll make that happen because I want. All right, more, you'll be my watch my watch hosting agent. No problem. No problem. Okay, great. <laughs> Everyone, I encourage you to visit Tori's website. I guess it's toripiskin.com. Uh, and her Instagram page, which is Tori Piskin. Tori, anything else you want to plug right now? I know you have a special. Yeah, so I, this year, I shot my first comedy special. It is called Prettiest Girl at the Special School. Um, If you type that into Google, it will come right up. It's on 800 Pound Gorilla, which is like a comedy streaming YouTube channel. Um, And yeah, I named it that because I, when I was younger, I was dyslexic. So I had to go to a school for people with learning disabilities. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun jokes and I'm kind of gearing up to make another one probably in the next year. Um, and on my website, Tori Piskin, if you would like to see me perform, you can put your email in and you'll get notified when I'll be in your specific city. And yeah, I'd love to see some watch people at my shows. Everyone, thank you for supporting Tori Piskin's wonderful work. Tori, it was such a pleasure to have you uh, to chat about your sketch and everything else on this episode of the Superlative Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Superlative Podcast. This show relies on support from you, the audience. Please subscribe, review, and share Superlative with your friends. To get the latest watch news and enthusiast commentary, also listen to the Blog to Watch weekly podcast. For show ideas, comments, or business, please contact us at podcasts at a blogtowatch.com.